you're listening to a message from Lifeway Church. For more information about our church and our ministries, please visit www.lifeway.church. Now, please enjoy this message from our pastor, Bruce Rhodes. I want to invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. And this is our text. Um, Also, if you would go to the notes page, why don't they put that up there on the screen? You can go to the notes for the message this morning at lifeway.church forward slash 12-16-18. That's the date today, 12-16-18. And you can view the notes there. You can take notes. You can email them back to yourself. Or maybe you can email them to a friend. Hey, say, why don't you check us out online or catch up with us in person. Here's Matthew chapter 1 and verse 23. It says, look. That means open your eyes. Look. Be expecting. Expect to see this. The virgin will conceive with a child, conceive a child, and she will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means, let's all say it together, God is with us. Emmanuel actually means God is with us. Our God with us. And that was God's desire from the beginning, right? God created Adam and put him in this garden. And he said, he, he didn't... God didn't move to a distant place far, far away from Adam. He walked with Adam and talked with Adam and fellowshiped with Adam and Adam fellowshiped with God. And then something happened to break that fellowship and it was, it was transgression, it was sin, it was disobedience, right? But God had a plan. He would reconnect with man through Jesus. And so it's so important to realize and recognize and, and have an understanding, a deeper understanding. That's my prayer for you this Christmas, is that you have a deeper understanding of what God with us means. You're not alone, no matter what it feels like, no matter what you're dealing with. Today we're going to talk about walking in the storm, that God is with us in the storm, right? But we're not alone in the storm. Jesus is with us in the storm. The first week we said, God's with us in the valleys. And we, we enjoy the mountaintops. We love the mountaintops. Yay, we, we, God's with us on the mountaintops. Yes, even, even disciples, when they experienced Jesus, the Mount of Transfiguration, what did his disciples say? Hey, let's build out a, a tent and just camp out here. We, <laughs> we like the mountaintops. But God's with us in the valleys. Psalm 23 says, though I walk through the valley... Of the shadow of death. You're with me. I'll fear no evil. You're with me. Right? So last week we were God in the wilderness. We found out that hearing God's whisper is the key to exiting the wilderness. God's with us. And he wants to take us through that that place of wilderness when we find ourselves there in the wilderness. And this week we're going to look at God's with us in the storms. Storms are difficult times that blow up out of nowhere that's a storm just blows up out of nowhere and uh, I think it's interesting that back in 1954 they started naming storms the meteorologists started naming the storms 
and they first named them after their wives and their girlfriends. I mean, this is, a, this is not gender correct here, but uh, it, so, it sounds kind of chauvinistic here, but in 1954, men that were meteorologists named the storms after their w- wives and their girlfriends. And, 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 you know, uh, I wouldn't name a storm after my wife necessarily, but maybe, I don't know what was in their mind, but maybe it was because the unpredictability of the storms. I'm sure it wasn't because there was destruction, but nonetheless. So in 1979, there were equal rights for storms when they started naming storms after men, right? And so this year, the two, the, the two major storms that hit were Florence and Michael, a, a woman's name and a man's name, and did so much damage, guys, but... It's interesting to note that, uh, that, that even the meteorologists, when there's a storm that hits that devastates so much, they retire that name and they never use that name again. But today I'm going to ask you, what's the name of your storm? Is it a storm of betrayal, divorce, depression, addiction? Maybe cancer. Maybe anxiety. And oftentimes when we hit the storm or we're hit by the storm, we ask questions like, well, where's God? Why would God allow this? Or God, why don't you do something? You know, we're asking these questions sincerely. But here's the big point for today's message. Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. You know, one thing that storms do is is perplex. Perplex. Let's look at the word perplex for just a moment. Perplex means troubled. It also means baffled. It means puzzled. And when we get puzzled and baffled and troubled and perplexed, we're in a place where we're susceptible to mistakes. We can make a mistake in the middle of a storm. This is what we find in Acts chapter 27, where we're going to look at some scriptures today, Acts 27 where Paul was in, in the middle of a storm. It's a very important passage. I, I often study this passage because I often find myself in the middle of a storm and I need to know what to do, right? But storms bring two things, fear and panic. People become terrified. This is why, uh, you know, the, the, the more that our weather industry grows... And by the way, the weather industry in, in, the, in the world today is, is, like, is worth like 30% of the economy is affected by the weather and it's, it's like worth $13 billion, the weather industry, right? There's a good side and there's a bad side to it. The good side is we try to prepare people to take cover when there's a storm coming. The bad side is it creates fear and panic 
right? And when there's fear and panic, people do strange things. But we, ha- we do have to plan. That's why we, we have evacuation plans. That's why we buy extra supplies. And that's why weather is a big business. There's a good thing and a, and a bad thing about this planning for a storm. One thing is certain about storms, and you can write this down. I think it's in your notes. You've either gone through a storm recently or you're in a storm now or there's one right around the corner. Storms come to all of us, even Jesus said, when you go through these tribulations. Don't think it's strange, but I've overcome it, right? So the Apostle Paul finds himself in the middle of a storm in Acts 27. Fear, uh, storms ultimately do things, two things. They cause chaos, confusion, and destruction. The second thing that a storm does is cause us to give up hope and quit. And this is what Paul experienced during this storm. Paul was a prisoner of Caesar, and he appealed to Caesar, and he was being transported uh, to Rome by a ship. And there was a centurion named Julius that was uh, in authority over Paul. And there was stormy weather, and, and so they transferred Paul from one ship to another ship. And all of the stormy weather, Paul perceived that something was going to happen. And he went to Julius, the centurion, and the, the, the people that were in authority over him, and he said, I perceive that this voyage is, is not going to be good. We could lose our life. This is a deadly storm that we're dealing with. Julius went to the ship owner and the pilot of the ship and, and, and consulted with them, and he, Julius chose to go with the ship owner and the pilot of the ship rather than Paul's advice. And so here they are in the middle of this storm in chapter 27. We need to look at some key points in this so that we can know what to do in the middle of a storm. Verse 20, Acts 27, 20. It says, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days. How many is many? Many. We don't know for certain, but many days. And the storm continued raging. We finally gave up all hope of being saved. We gave up all hope of being saved after many days. This wasn't just a thunderstorm or a hailstorm. This was a rocky tempest for days. If you study this, this chapter, you'll see that it was at least more than two weeks. I don't know if you've ever been in a storm that lasted two weeks. But there was one time where we were in Italy and we were going to minister. We left the port outside of Rome, Italy, and we were going to minister on the, on the island of Sardinia with some friends over there. They had a church and they invited us to come minister. We got on a a boat, a ferry, and uh, we were on this ferry traveling overnight from Rome to Sardinia. And there was a storm. And we were down in the bottom 
in the middle, in the bottom, and so it felt really rocky. It felt like the boat was going to turn over. So much so, now, and, and I'm not a seaman, so I don't know about boats and things like that, but to me it felt like I was going to flip over. We went, actually Pastor Sheila said, would you please go up top and see that we're not going to just tip over? It was that rocky. So I can't even imagine what Paul was dealing with here. Many days, over two weeks, that they got to the place where they were finally ready to give up. Maybe you're there, finally ready to give up. You've almost dialed that phone number and you've almost pushed the button. You may be thinking, my marriage is not going to make it. Or, I'm always going to be single, I'm always going to be alone. I'm never going to get out of debt. Or, I'm never going to have a child. I don't know what storm you're facing. But I do know one thing. Jesus is with you. He's with you. If you're thinking today, I'm always going to be depressed. Or I'm dealing with something genetically and this is what my father dealt with and my grandfather dealt with and my grandmother dealt with or my grandfather. It doesn't matter. Jesus is with you. Notice the the storm continued raging. They were tossed to and fro for over two weeks. Wouldn't that want to make you give up? How many times in your own life have you been to that place where you wanted to give up, but you found that Jesus was with you? And when we get in the middle of one of those storms, the most natural thing that we do is we begin asking questions. How did this, how did this come? And I didn't even see it coming. And then we go to, well, why does this happen? Why or where did this come from? And, and immediately we look for blame. And, and there's some, some super spiritual people that try to blame everything on the devil. The devil does this, and the devil does that, and the devil does this, and look, he's done this, and he's done that, and the devil's in everything. But let me tell you, the devil is not big enough to create every storm. I'm not saying that the devil doesn't create some storms, but the devil's not big enough to create every storm. There are some reasons why storms come, and sometimes it's our decisions. It's our own stupid decision. We may be in a storm because we spent too much money, or because we mouthed off, or because we weren't considerate, or because we procrastinated, or because we didn't listen to someone who had some good godly advice. Like your mama told you, your best friend told you, your pastor told you. Maybe this is one of the reasons why they were ready to give up. They were in the storm because of a decision that was made. You know, it's, it's easy to believe God will get you out of a storm when you know that he's there with you. But it's more difficult to believe that God's going to get you out of something that you brought on yourself. 
right? But I'm here to tell you that God is with you. He's with you. He's not putting blame on you. God's not holding anything over your head. He wants you to get out of the storm. Maybe you're in the storm because of somebody else's dumb decision. Now, it's not real good right now to poke anybody beside you. Let's, let's be sensitive. All right? Look at, at verse 21, Acts 27, 21. It says, after they have gone a long time without food. Two weeks without food, guys. Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. <laughs> I like that. I mean, it's, it's pretty raw, right? Here's Paul, who's supposed to be really spiritual. And as spiritual as Paul is, Paul says, I told you so. How about that? If you'd have listened to me, you wouldn't be in this mess. And you know, when we're in the middle of the storm, the first thing we do is we, we start pointing fingers and blaming. Blaming each other. You got us here. No, you got us here. Hey, God wants to get you out. Don't waste time blaming. Quit blaming yourself for the storm you may be in. Quit blaming somebody else for the storm you may be in. Jesus is with you. He wants to get you out. But can you imagine? Here, here's Paul in front of 276 people. Think about that. There was, in that chapter, you can count, 276 people were on that ship. And Paul's standing in front of all of them saying, if you would only listen to me. I mean, that's pretty bold, right? <laughs> they probably put him way down, back down in the ship and said, be quiet. We're going forward. You know, but some of the crew, I mean, you think about some of the crew may not have wanted to go in the first place. They happened to be at the wrong place at the wrong time. Nonetheless, it was the will of God to get them out of the storm, alive. And how many of us have been in the storm because of somebody else's decision? Maybe your parents got a divorce. Mine did. I was in the storm as a teenager. But that's where God rescued me. He showed himself faithful. He came near to me because I drew near to him. Maybe your company made a bad decision. Maybe you trusted somebody and they failed you. But remember, again, in the middle of the storm is not the time or the place to play the blame game. It's, 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 okay, to have good, it's, it's okay to have questions, but it's not okay to have questions that lead you to doubt God. Questions are not bad, but whenever we begin to question God's faithfulness, we open the door to doubt. We've got to keep the door to doubt closed. We've got to know that God is with us. This, the second point this morning is who's on your boat? Who's on your boat? Verse 22 and verse 23 of Acts 27. Paul says, but now I urge you to keep up your courage. Look at your neighbor and say, keep up your courage. 
Look at your other neighbor and say, keep up your courage. The reason I had you do that is because we all need to be encouraged, not discouraged. If you're in the middle of the storm, don't say, you got us here. No. Keep up the courage. Paul said, keep up the courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the God whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. Stood beside me. God is with us. He didn't leave us in the storm. He came to us in the middle of the storm. An angel stood beside me. Listen, in more ways than you can imagine, God is with you in the middle of the storm. We don't even have an an idea, an inkling of an idea. How many angels there are right now in this place? Because we only see with these natural eyes. But there's been angels assigned to us. Just like there was an angel that came near to Paul. We must believe in the supernatural power of God to deliver us from every storm. He's right there with you. There are angels that go with it. I heard testimony this week of someone near a car accident that could have been a bad one. Right, guys? There must have been supernatural angelic help. Anybody ever experienced the help of the Lord in the middle of a storm? Angels all around us. The Holy Spirit within us. Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. It's all about who's on the boat with you. You know, in Matthew Matthew and Mark's Gospels, we find the account of Jesus on the boat in the middle of the storm with his disciples. What was Jesus doing in the middle of the boat, in the middle of the storm with his disciples? He was asleep. The disciples woke him up as if he didn't know what was going on and said, Master, don't you care? We're about to drown here. And he, what did he say? He, he, he who calms the wind and the waves told his disciples, why are you afraid? Don't be afraid. Peace, be still. So it matters more who's on the boat with you than it does about the storm. Why be afraid? There's supernatural assistance. Verse 23 and verse 24 says, Last night an angel of the God whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me, and he said this. Notice that the angel said this. Do not be afraid. Isn't it interesting how when angels come and they deliver a message from God, the number one ranked phrase that angels deliver (laughs) is do not be afraid. We surveyed a bunch of angels and found that the number one phrase that angels deliver to people from God is do not be afraid because there's so much fear, right? And so the angel says from God, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. Paul, don't be afraid. And then he called his name. Wow. What if an angel called your name? Don't, don't be afraid. John, don't be afraid. Lee, you must stand trial before Caesar and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. The angel, I found it interesting that the angel is pointing Paul to the future. 
That means we have to take our eyes off of the current circumstances. We have to put our eyes out where the will of God is in the future. Don't give up. Don't give up because there's more ahead. Don't give up. This boat can't go down because I have to still stand trial before Caesar. I can't go down in the battle because there's another battle that I must fight. I'm not finished with you yet, God says. There's more people to bless. There's more opportunities to give. There's more people to point to Christ. You're not finished yet. God's not finished with you yet. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't look back. Look straight ahead into the future. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16 and 17, Paul said this to Timothy. And he said this to Timothy, but I, think, I really think he was pointing back to the times where people gave up on Paul. He said, everyone deserted me. <laughs> but the Lord stood by my side and he gave me strength. Notice when the Lord stands by your side, gives you strength. Encourage. Encourage. That's why Paul could say to those around him, take courage, take courage, because I have a word from the Lord. When you receive a word from the Lord, it brings courage, it brings strength. It brings strength. In Psalm 16, verse 8, in the New Living Translation, this is David, the psalmist, writes this, I know the Lord is always with me. That's very important. We're, we're confessing with our mouth what we believe in our heart. I know that the Lord is with me Always, I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. Right? Not only does the Holy Spirit live in us, but God is with us to preserve us, to protect us, to take us safely through the storm. You know, peace is not the absence of a storm. Peace is found in the presence of Jesus. Look to the one who is with you. The third point here is we have to take courage. We have to take courage. We can say it another way. We have to use our faith or we have to trust God. Trusting God is taking courage, is using our faith. Acts 27 verse 25 says, again, Paul is saying again. He says it twice. So take courage. Keep up your courage, men. For I have faith in God. Look at that. You take courage because I have faith in God. That what God said, just like God said, it's going to happen. What God says is going to happen. It's going to happen. Faith is not in what I see. Faith is in what God says. We don't have faith in the boat, right, to save us. But when Jesus is in the boat, there's faith in the boat. We trust him because he's with us. He who commands the winds and the waves is with us. The, the thing about faith is, is an issue of control. Control. There are certain things that are out of your control. You can't control your situation. You can't control when the storm starts 
how it hits, how strong it is, or how long it lasts. This is really quiet there. Let me read it again. You can't control when the storm starts, how it hits, how strong it is, or how long it lasts. You can't control what people do to you or what people think about you or the way they act toward you. You can't control the economy. You can't even control when some relationships break down. You can't, you can't control if you get denied the job that you put in for. You need to know that Jesus is what you need. That he is your safety. He is your strength. He is your comforter. He's your source. He's your redeemer. He's your sustainer. He's your provider. He's your assurance and your salvation. And you need to know what is in your control. You have control over where you place your faith. Faith focuses on Jesus in the middle of the storm. Remember the illustration of Peter. As Peter focused on Jesus, he stood on top of the waves. It wasn't like it was calm when he was walking on the water. The same storm that was there when Peter fell down was there when he was walking on the water. The difference was his focus. Was he focused on Jesus? Because Jesus said, hey, you began to notice the wind and the waves. Keep your eyes on him. Control what you can control and realize that you can't control everything. You can control who you listen to. You can control what you say. Look at Psalm 46, verses 1 through 3. Because what God has said will happen. You control your faith. You can trust him. Psalm 46, verse 1 says, God is our shelter and our strength. Always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not be afraid... Even if the earth is shaken and mountains fall into the ocean depths, even if the seas roar and rage and the hills are shaken by the violence. Imagine what, is, what the psalmist is imagining as he's writing this. Even if the earth be removed, if the, if the earth exists no more, God and his word and his integrity and his faithfulness will endure, will stand unchanged forever. And when we trust him forever, we'll be standing forever. Come what may, whatever storm, how big, how long, how powerful, doesn't matter. When we place our faith in God, we keep our eyes fixed on God. He gives us strength and he gives us his peace 
Because Jesus knows that we need peace in the middle of the storm. And we can control even what our mind thinks on by a decision of what we say and believe in, our, believe in our heart and say out of our mouth. When your mind is going bonkers, tilt, you say to your mind, peace, be still. And focus on the one who is, his word is settled in heaven and in earth. He is our rock. He is our anchor. He is the, the hope that anchors our soul. If, if we all need an anchor for our soul because our soul wigs out way too much. Right? Jesus is the hope that anchors our soul. When we start rocking and reeling and rolling, we place our faith and our trust in Him and we say, Peace, be still. And we can say that because it is a result of our trust and faith and our courage. No, peace is not found in the absence of a storm. Peace is found in the presence of a good God. And this peace comes from knowing that God is with us. When we know that God is with us, it insulates us from the storm. What does that song on Surrounded say? I might be surrounded but I'm surrounded by him. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. You remember the, the prophet and the servant? Lord, open his eyes that he may see. There were chariots of fire. There were more with us than against us. Jesus wants to show you that there's more with you than against you. There's more with you than against you. And listen, we have to learn during these times of storm. Paul was in the place of learning during the storm so that he could help others go through the storm. God will use you and what you learn from your storms to help somebody else through their storm. When you've survived cancer, guess what? You're a prime candidate to help someone else survive cancer. When you overcome unfaithfulness in your marriage, you are a prime candidate to help somebody else overcome unfaithfulness in their marriage. Maybe you've climbed out of debt bankruptcy multiple times and God has saved you from that storm you're in a prime place to help others learn how to go through that storm maybe you're 178 days sober I met a guy the other day he says Pastor Bruce I'm two years sober and I've got five people that I hold accountable in this Freedom from alcohol. If God has delivered you, if you've come through the storm, you're in the right place to help other people. And what you've learned matters. The experiences you have, your story of how God has saved you matters. God hasn't, forgetten, hasn't forgotten you and he's not forgetting you. 
God wants to use you. Just like this morning we sang, he's our defender. He's our defender. All we have to do is praise. All we have to do is sing. All we have to do is worship and bow down. Right? That's, that is the ultimate demonstration of our faith and trust in God. To say, Lord, I can't do this, but I know that you can. You were here before the storm. You'll be here after the storm, and I'm trusting you. You're in my boat. I'm in your boat. We're both going to the same destination. The Lord, if the Lord is for us, who can be against us? If God is on our side, how could we ever lose? He's with us to go through the storms, guys. Listen, it doesn't matter how the storm came. It came to pass. <laughs> it came to pass. The storm came to pass. It shall pass. Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Let me pray for you this morning. Father, thank you. I want to pray for those that, that are going through something right now. Turbulence. There's just a whole lot of shaking going on. It's, it's unstable. There's decisions to make and tough decisions, long-lasting decisions. There's broken hearts and broken homes and just people that need help. They need Jesus. Jesus, you're the answer in the middle of the storm. So, Father, I just pray right now for everyone that hears, has ears to hear this morning, whether they're here in this room, whether they're joined with us online or whether they listen to this later, Lord, that you would sustain them, that you would stand by them, that you would strengthen them, that you would help them, that you would hold them up with your righteous right hand, that you would be there with them, that you would show them how much you love them, how much you've called them, and that they're not through. I say to you this morning, you're not through yet. Don't give up. Don't give up. Give God another chance. Open the door. Open the door. Open the door. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, this is the right time to do it. If you've vacillated back and forth and... At one time you did and you said some prayer. It's more than a prayer. Following Jesus is more than a prayer. It's a daily decision to lay down your life and choose his life. If you're in that place today and you need to make a decision for Jesus, I'm going to help you and just lead you through a, just a quick confession. It's more of a confession than it, than it is a prayer. If you know that you need Jesus, all you have to do is say, Jesus, I need you. I need you. I can't do this myself. I choose. I choose you. I believe in you. I believe that you are the Son of God. And I choose you right now. Take my life. I give it to you. And I receive your free gift of salvation. 
I believe that you came and that you died for me. That you have forgiven me. And I confess my sin. And I choose life today. I choose Jesus. up here real quick before we go I just want to say if, if you made that decision today then you know it this is why a lot of times I don't ask you to raise your hand or stand up or come to the front this is a decision that you make with God more than anybody else he needs to know that decision he needs to know that decision but then we also see that you need to come public you need to tell someone you need to follow that decision up with we believe with with water baptism this is what Jesus was baptized and then he told us to go and baptize and so I encourage you if, if you made that decision this morning and you're in here or you're viewing or watching this at all that you make that decision public tell somebody it's the most important decision you'll ever make in your life now you're in a place that Jesus is in your boat. Jesus is in your boat. We have an anchor to our soul. He helps us through the storm. Do you sense that this morning? That God is with us. God is with us. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. To hold you up, to lift you up. He'll never fail you. He'll never let you go. He'll never, 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 never let you go. He'll never, never, never lose his hold on you. He's invested his life in you. And he wants you to succeed. Go ahead and stand to your feet. Say this with me. This is my week. To succeed. The word of God says. If I meditate day and night in his word he will cause me to have good success that's what he said you must believe what the Lord said and hold on to it hold on to it in the middle of a storm hold on to what God said in the middle of the storm that's what Paul did can you, can you imagine the, the, the dirty looks he got when he stood up before 276 people and said, if you would have done what I told you to do, we wouldn't be in this mess. I'm hanging on to God. I'm hanging on to God. Listen, you've never gotten yourself into a pickle that God can't pull you out of it. I don't know what that getting into a pickle means, but... You've never gotten yourself in a jam. <laughs> You've never gotten yourself in a place, a tight place. Maybe you feel like everything's being squeezed out of you, but listen, God is with you. Thanks for listening to the Lifeway Church Podcast. If you'd like to join us in reaching others by partnering with us today, you can give online by visiting us on our website at lifeway.church forward slash give. Thanks for listening to the Lifeway Church Podcast, and remember to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this.